0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star James Marino. James, uh, apparently while we are recording right now the uh, that protest that we talked about on yesterday's show, led by Seth Rudetsky and Rosie O'Donnell, uh, apparently it is now taking place at a stage in front of the Kremlin Annex in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I can't imagine how this could go poorly. <laughs>
1: I have uh, been seeing on social media uh, lots of positive words of response um, with it. So, uh, and I saw lots of people in their travels on the way down. There was uh, they chartered some buses or something like that, and uh, You're so. Yeah, and so uh, surely much more organized than I thought it was going to be. So awesome.
0: That's great. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes me throw back to uh, scenes at the Residentura from the TV show The Americans.
1: But. <laughs> when, you said, you when you said the Kremlin Annex, I was like, where is that in D.C.? Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The I Red House.
0: It. Oh, is it red? Is it really? Of course it's red.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. First up in the news, Ian McKellen apologized for missing a performance of King Lear.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of a sweet story. Yeah. actually. Over the weekend, the legendary Sir Magneto himself, Ian McKellen, had to miss a performance of the West End production of King Lear. The Saturday matinee was canceled, but he was back in for the evening performance, but using a cane. Instead of just completely canceling that matinee, McKellen did a bit of a Q&A from the stage. And afterwards, he sent out a message via Twitter, which read, I hadn't long been up before I set off for yesterday's matinee of King Lear. At the underground station, I galloped up 45 steps to catch the train above. Once on it, I skipped along the carriage, and my left leg gave way. A strained calf muscle was diagnosed and was painfully pummeled back into life. With a walking stick, I managed the evening performance, but not the afternoon one. Instead, I chatted on stage to the audience while they waited for their money back, and I tried out a few new routines and some (laughs) old ones, a bit of Gandalf and a couple of shakespeare's speeches sitting down was fine but i just couldn't have managed kneeling in the rainstorm, nor risked carrying cordelia's corpse on my back spoiler alert um i just wanted to reassure those who have tickets for tuesday our next performance that i'll be back again muscle restored and spirits high and repeated apologies to saturday's audience who missed lear and just got me instead i'll be honest with you james i well i would have been disappointed to miss king lear Having been able to see an experience with just Ian McKellen on stage would be pretty cool uh, in and of itself. Uh, But of course, as he said, Ian McKellen is scheduled to be back in the show tonight. And, you know, James, a lot of people on both sides of the discussion got their feathers ruffled by Dame Diana Rigg, apparently chastising the younger generation of performers for calling out and yada yada. But yet again, McAllen has shown a way to be both old school and yet incredibly, incredibly classy. So I, I, I love this. It's just a very, very sweet message from a legend. This is such a great example and such a
1: reflection on what a wonderful human being he is. I, I love this story, too, and I, I saw it over the weekend and I, I wish that. Uh, I wish I had forwarded it to you, and then here you are—you have it. So uh, glad this all this all Mental worked celebrity. out.
0: Yeah. All right, let's uh, look at last week's Broadway grosses. How did we do? Uh, well, it was another dip for Broadway across the board, as the main stem saw an eight point one eight percent decline. Thanks, POTUS. Yeah. Uh, the, mo- <laughs> uh, the more than $3 million dip was in large part due to Springsteen on Broadway being dark again last week. But only six shows actually saw week-to-week improvements, so it was down overall. It wasn't just the boss. And, the one, um, and one of those that was actually up last week was A Bronx Tale, which closed on Sunday with a more than $799,000 frame to end its run. None of the other five shows that saw improvements ga- uh, gained more than $22,000, so even those increases were modest ones. The two shows that saw the biggest declines last week were The Lion King and Wicked, both dipping more than $277,000, but they each played nine performances the previous week, so they were coming back down to their normal mm. eight performance week. The biggest eight-show-to-eight-show decline belonged to Summer, the Donna Summer Musical, which is... Uh, precipitously falling down the grosses charts. Last week, it fell almost $119,000, a decline of almost $418K in just two months from the beginning of the summer, not the way that that show wanted to go. Despite a nearly $2,000 decline, $2,000, man, that's rough. Hamilton was still able to eke out $3,150,000. $942, followed by The Lion King, Harry Potter, Frozen, and Hello Dolly, all above $2 million. Also in the seven-figure club in descending order was Wicked, Dear Evan Hansen, Aladdin, Mean Girls, My Fair Lady, The Phantom of the Opera, The Book of Mormon, Come From Away, The Boys in the Band, which closes this Sunday, so I'm expecting that to shoot up even more. Pretty Woman, again with only seven performances, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, James, over the past two and a half years that we've been doing this show, I've been pretty good about putting shows on Closing Watch, except for the play that goes wrong, Long May She Rain. Um, So I hate to do this. I hate to do this to any shows, but I'm going to have to start moving some shows closer to that list. I'm not putting them on yet, um, but we're getting close. They aren't officially there, but I give it a week or so, and I think some of these shows might be on Closing Watch. With just over $297,000 last week, Head Over Heels will need to start seeing some post opening gains in the next week to avoid a Labor Day closing if it even makes it there. Um, We'd said that we'd hope for this week and next week to see those improvements, and we haven't seen it yet. I'm also thinking that Carousel is on its last leg. I kind of mentioned this last week. It's likely an expensive show to run because it's a large cast, Uh, and at less than $680,000 last week, Rudin doesn't like losing money, so the leash could be pretty short on this one. And Summer, as I mentioned before, is in dire straits. Straits. Um, and finally, I'm not going to make Once on this Island at 523000 uh, on this list because of the unique theater that it's in. So I think it could hang on for a while, especially with a Tony Award in hand, but it's getting dicey too. Ken Davenport's other show, Getting the Band Back Together, which we'll talk about more here in a second, dipped to less than $250,000 last week. So that's certainly going to be an uphill climb. James, this is the time of year when Shows want to be collecting as much cash as humanly possible. Obviously, some schools down here in my neck of the woods in the south are already starting to go back. So they want to be getting as much of those summer vacation bucks as they can because the fall is usually not kind. So if they're not doing well now, it might be a long haul before they find uh, weekly profitability again in the future.
1: So thinking about my comments yesterday –
0: uh be more chill in circle in the square could be i don't know the staging of that obviously it's a proscenium Mm -hmm. uh, theater that it's in now yeah but they you can do a proscenium show in circle in the square it's been done before they reconfigure that that space based off of the the show so very well could be also especially um they might be looking for a, a tenant if Hades Town decides to stick oh, with yeah, the Hadestown. more proscenium thrust mm. stage that they're going to have over at the National Theatre this fall in London. But again, they're going to be in London for the fall, so maybe Circle in no the Square wants to find something for this fall if uh, if once on this island does officially close.
1: And. Uh... There was something else I was going to say, not about Carousel. We talked about Carousel last week, uh, being on the precipice. Oh, that's what it was. So remember, like, six, eight, 12 weeks ago, there was this... No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Remember before the Tony Awards, (laughs) there was this rash of articles about how
0: Frozen was in danger? I, I remember those. Yes, I do. What did Frozen do this week? Uh, it did over two million, but this is getting to the end of that initial block of tickets that were sold. Mm-hmm. As we get into the fall, that's when it'll be the post-opening um, or be, or at least pro, post-previews blocks. So I think when we get to like October and November, and we start to see if there's much of a decline, I'll be honest with you, I. I don't anticipate a huge decline. It might yeah. not be in the 2 million dollar range every week because that's the stratosphere for Broadway productions, but I mean, look, if Aladdin is continually doing you know, a, a close, you know, did 1.6 million dollars last week, I I don't think that Frozen's going to do much less than that if at all. I I don't have the the seating in um, right in front of me, but I think they're pretty you know, the, the St. James and the New Amsterdam are pretty close in size. So I would imagine, you know, 1.5 million is probably the floor for Frozen f- for the foreseeable future. You know, I I just don't imagine that a, a property like Frozen with Disney marketing behind it is going to fall that far, even if it's not going to continue to do two plus million dollars every week.
1: And uh, finally, yesterday, as last night, as we were talking about Be More Chill uh, and whether or not uh, reviewers were being being invited. Michael Dale was there reviewing the show. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so we look forward to that review coming up soon. All right, let's uh, move forward into the next thing. Uh, Broadway mourns the losses of two beloved figures.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're two very different figures in the Broadway and entertainment communities. Uh, we learned of deaths of, of two very different folks over the last few days in the theater community. The most probably pop culture newsworthy of them is likely that of Tony and Emmy nominee, Charlotte Ray, who passed away at the age of 92, a veteran of 10 Broadway productions. She was nominated for Tony's twice in the mid to late sixties, first for Pickwick in 1966. And again in 69 for morning night or morning, noon and night. But of course, um, well, um, before I get to that, she also originated the role of Mammy Yoakum in Lil Labner on Broadway and starred as Mrs. Peachum in the 1954 revival of the Three Penny Opera and made her final Broadway appearance in 1973's original production of David Rabe's Boom Boom Room opposite Peter Bartlett, Charles Durning, Madeline Kahn and more. However, as I skipped ahead in my script a minute ago, she is likely remembered best as the beloved house mother, Mrs. Edna, Miss Edna Garrett uh, on Different Strokes and the Facts of Life. I'll be honest with you. I've seen pictures of her from other parts in her career. And without the red hair, hair, I just don't recognize her. Um, Ray also released one album, Songs I Taught My Mother, which our friend Robbie Rizal actually did the album uh, design for the re-release early in his career. So I think he said 12 years ago. So about 2006. I guess Um, the other passing, that Broadway is remembering this week is that of playwright and Tony winning actor Winston Ntshona. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that name, but uh, N-T-S-H-O-N-A Ntshona is best I can get. He passed away at the age of 76. He is best known to theater circles for his Tony winning roles in two anti-apartheid dramas in 1975, "Sizwe Bonzi is Dead and The Island. He performed those roles with his co-star John Connie in London on Broadway and around the world and especially in South Africa for over 30 years he is a native south african he shared the best to actor tony with connie in 1975 and Shauna connie and ethel fugard wrote those shows together after winning the tony in 1975 uh, Connie and and, Shani, and Shana were both arrested in South Africa while they were touring with the show for angering government officials with their political commentary. So uh, somebody who was not uh, afraid to speak truth to power. So um, Broadway and the theater community and uh, especially in the case of, of Charlotte Ray, uh, much of the pop culture world are, are remembering both of these two figures today. OK, Matt, what other news do we have? All right. So yeah, this is a weird one. Um, we see it in theater all the time. You don't see it in TV outside soap operas very much. But yesterday at the uh, the CW Network's, uh, their day at the Television Critics Association meetings, it was announced that stage and screen star Skylar Astin, originally uh, from the original Broadway production of Spring Awakening and from the Pitch Perfect movie franchise, they announced that he would be replacing Santino Fontana in the role of Greg in the musical dark comedy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Now, Now, Greg, at the end of season two, after having gone to rehab and missed a couple episodes, he decided to get away from West Covina, California and the craziness of Rebecca Bunch. So he decided to go away to go to school. He was not seen in season three at all, but apparently will be coming back with a slightly different look for the fourth and final season. Uh, Again, we see replacements on Broadway all the time. Not on TV very much, but it seems like a pretty good fit. It was also announced yesterday that the novel adaptation of J. Hansen will lead to a book tour featuring the author Val Emick and the show's writers Stephen Levinson, Bench Pasek, and Justin Paul. Songs will be performed alongside the novel's release at each of the tour stops. The tour will stop in 10 cities across the U.S., Washington, D.C., Philly, Cincinnati, Ann Arbor's a whore. Uh, (laughs) Chicago, Denver, Seattle, both Ben, Pask and Justin Paul went to the University of Michigan. That's where they met. So, of course, they're in Ann Arbor. Anyway, Chicago, Denver, Seattle, San Francisco and Los Angeles. We will have a link to the dates and the stops in the show notes. The book will be available on October 9th of this year. And finally, James, in a move that drew – it's actually not finally because I've had two breaking news things I'm going to throw in at the end. But in a move that drew eye rolls from across the theater community, but in all honesty – I think it's pretty harmless and kind of fun. The town of Sayreville, New Jersey has officially become a co-producer on the Broadway musical, getting the band back together. The town features heavily in the show. And I I would be shocked if the town council approved any funding for a show that is likely going to flop. So I think in terms of marketing, no harm, no foul as I can, as far as I can tell here, James, uh, before I get to these other two stories, what, what do you think about the latest gimmick, from ken davenport
1: um said so it speaks of grasping at straws but uh what were the what were the uh, getting the band numbers this
0: week percentages and it was at 32.1 percent of its gross potential um it did have an 87.6 uh, percent uh capacity but it was down below 250k in terms of its grosses
1: so the percentages were similar to last week but their average ticket price went down Correct. Oof.
0: That's, uh, yeah. that's a tough, it, tough it went position down, to be
1: in.
0: Yeah, it went from just under forty dollars last week to thirty seven thirty-three. So wow. uh um, but here's here's the two stories that I mentioned uh, kind of broke right as we were getting ready to record. Um as James, we've talked about this here before. Jason Robert Brown is doing his subculture gig uh tonight as we're recording with one Tony Winner, Cynthia Arrivo. And this is a direct quote. I have a feeling that version of the last five years, which stars Cynthia Erivo and Joshua Henry, has not been seen for the last time. Don't know what that means. Of course, they've already done one movie, so I don't think they're going to do another movie. So that would probably mean some sort of production of Cynthia Revo and Joshua Henry in the last five years, especially when you consider that we were talking about Carousel, maybe on its last leg um, over at the Imperial. So who knows? I mean, in all honesty, the fact that those two are probably well past the normal playing age of those characters, I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, you did not go to the concert version they did, correct? No, I did not. Okay, but we know people who did and yeah. it was apparently... Yeah. So um, and then the last bit of news at the top of the first live show of So You Think You Can Dance season after they've done all of the tryouts and the auditions and the the Academy weeks, Kat Dealey, the host, announced that whomever wins this season of So You Think You Can Dance will be cast in the upcoming Rent Live. Not a ton of not a ton of choreography normally and rent i mean there's some i mean my least favorite song contact um there's some dancing but really not a dance heavy show but i guess all of the uh, fox corporate synergy you can have so uh take a look out for that and uh i will i i've said it before highly recommend so you, think you can dance i think it's the most creative and artistically satisfying show on television all right matt why don't you get us out of here all right thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com
1: and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. Matt's going to be with you on Wednesday because I'm seeing straight white men, but I'll be back on Thursday to be in your ears.